is more about what you stop doing than what you start doing. Right. And you stop doing all the stuff that doesn't make sense. Put all your energy into the stuff that does make sense and listen to what people are saying. And, and it evolves relatively fast. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today. I'm really excited about today's guest. I am joined by Ellis Winstanley. Now, this guy is a turnaround expert who, if you read his bio on LinkedIn, you would think that he was credited for inventing cloning. So you know how LinkedIn, how it says like date to date of, of what someone does. He has 11 of date to presence on his LinkedIn, 11, including the, on uh, the TRA board member, president of Axial Shift. And most famous, famously, he is president of El Arroyo, which, uh, which he owns with his wife, Paige. And they recently announced some really big expansion plans. He's doing some incredible things, and he's joining us from Costa Rica right now. So anyway, Ellis, thanks for joining us and giving ovation, man. Taking some time away from the surf to come onto the pod. Yeah, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. So first of all, so there, there may be someone who's not familiar with El Arroyo out there, but I think more so people might not know that they know El Arroyo. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it and, and about what, what the journey has been like for El Arroyo? Sure, man. So yeah, El Arroyo is this kind of funky Tex-Mex brand based out of Austin, Texas. So founded in 1975 is basically a house that would sell, sell tacos a few hours a day. And you walk like through this bamboo jungle over a bridge, over a, a creek, hence the name El Arroyo. It means dry, dry creek in Spanish, right? So it's basically a wet weather creek. You walk over, you get your tacos. Over the years, it evolved um, kind of into its final form by 1987. Over the years, they added beer and jukebox and eventually became like, you know, full service with bar restaurant. 1987, they dragged an old sign out, as the legend has it, from behind the, the shed in the back and then started putting funny signs, uh, sayings on it and, and relatively quickly started doing it every single day. Um, so we knew about the brand. I've been around, been turning around like old restaurant brands for for about ten years at the the point. Um, ones that had like lots of cool history and just really really loved the feel of them, but they needed a little bit of a little bit of TLC, a little bit of elbow grease. Um, and so uh, heard about El Arroyo. Uh, we ended up we we bought it uh, actually like during the, all the process was while my wife was on bed rest with twins. No so we, way. we negotiated the final deal points from the hospital cafeteria. <laughs> when she's mad at me, she says that I did. It was like while she was giving birth, but that is not oh. true. That's not true. It was before. Hey, can, you, can you just sign here right in between pushes, honey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not how it went down, but it's a good story for her. So yeah. I'm going to head that one off in case she ever tells you that. <laughs> anyway, they, uh, so yeah, so we bought it. It, it was interesting. You know, the sign had like this really, uh, the, the staff was like not allowed to leave at night before they came up with a sign. And so that was, some of them no really way. liked it. Some of them, some of them didn't, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure. The owner would come up with them. They're, so they're kind of all over the map. Like they're normally funny, but sometimes they were like, like funny mean or like funny gross. And then sometimes they were like funny cute. You just didn't really, it was kind of a little bit inconsistent. So we bought it and we were like, dude, what are we going to do with this? 
the sign is it's like a lot of work man to come up with this so and, and keep in mind this is not some like big fancy vegas lights around its sign no, this, no, I mean, this is this is like a four by eight changeable letter sign with the words El Arroyo welded on the front of it. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I just yeah, love how scrappy that is. You know, like so many people, they, you know, they, they say that uh, perfection is the enemy of progress, where it's like you, you, they just started doing it, right? Like it doesn't have to yeah. be perfect. Okay, sorry, keep keep going. I just wanted to make sure if someone hasn't painted the picture, like I, I guarantee you, you've seen a picture of these signs. They were, they, they're all over the internet and people just take pictures and they turn them into memes and people are making their own El Arroyo signs. They're like changing out the letters for block letters. Anyway, so keep going with the story. Yeah, man. So it's been, so we are just like, we got to get a voice around this thing and we really want to make people feel good. So we set up some brand guidelines of like, how's the sign, you know, the core, the core voice of the sign is making people feel good every day. You know, occasionally there'll be some that are sincere, like whenever the like we 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 worked at the Texas Restaurant Association a lot, which is how I got to know to know them really, and ended up on the board over there. It's like during the pandemic, so we used it for like when uh, whenever the PPP was passed. But then like it was actually worse for restaurants because the timeline they had to spend, and then they were going to have debt but not be able to spend it all. So we did one that said like, "Dear Congress, this is not working." Sincerely, every restaurant in America, uh-huh. and then that got pushed through all the state restaurant associations and stuff. So. We do uh, we do a lot of, like brand partnerships for brands that we think are super cool and um, and are and are well aligned, but mostly it's just like making people feel good, making them laugh every day. And so yeah, it's evolved into that. We set out to build the social media pages in like 2013. I remember laying in bed every night, like inviting everyone who had liked one of our posts to like the page, <laughs> and then and then like after after it went from like three thousand to sixty thousand, like you know, hundreds of hours in, maybe thousands of hours in. I found like an $18 JavaScript automation that you could just run and it would no. like do it for you. <laughs> so anyway, that is, but you literally invited people yourself. Dude, I literally page and I like literally laid there and like at night and like invited people. And then the page grew and grew and grew. And then it started to just take off on its own. And then during you were- COVID, you know, we were the first ones doing alcohol to go in it. And that really, um, put them in a, put them in a really, um, interesting position and it really grew a lot faster even during COVID. also when people when terrible things are happening and we help people laugh about it that people really connect with that yeah, as mr rogers said look for the heroes you know and and you and el, el arroyo were uh, were heroes during this point and i think that's that's really interesting because one of the things that i've seen being a common thread throughout as as you know we've met at a few conferences and as we've chatted and as i've heard you speak um, and, and looking at your, your professional life on LinkedIn, you have a very unconventional thread that weaves through everything that you do. Talk to me a little bit about like your life philosophy on that. I mean, like here, here we are talking and you're in Costa Rica, like what? I mean, you, you don't ever look at things and say, how have things always been done? Let's do it that way. How do you, how, what's, what's your mindset for that? How do you, how are you able to think differently than so many other people? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, I guess I just tend to see things. I just look for what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, I question it and, and try to make sense of it or reorganize it in a way that it does make sense. So I think there's a lot of, you know, I guess I learned that early on with reorganizing businesses that had good bones and good history, a lot of times it, there's, it's, it's almost about what you, is more about what you stop doing than what you start doing, 
right? You stop doing all the stuff that doesn't make sense, put all your energy into the stuff that does make sense and listen to what people are saying. And, and it evolves relatively fast. And so, you know, in the case of Costa Rica, we just, you know, I, I think what's really, um, you see the great resignation and the quiet quitting and all this stuff. And it's like, I think a lot of that is just more got more to do with people channeling maybe pent up unhappiness with, with their environment and with the way they're, you know, with the way they're set up in life. And, and I just started looking around. I was like, man, like if if you're going to like, life is going to go by so fast for everyone. You got to like live at the same time. Right. Otherwise, what's the point? Like somebody yesterday, actually on the beach, I was talking to a friend. They were like, they're like, you know, it's really funny um, is, and there's, it's interesting. There's a lot of Israeli people here and the Israeli people always are like super insightful. I don't know if you know many Israeli people, but it's always yes. like, God, where do they get this from? <laughs> uh, anyway, they're like, they're like, you know, you work, you, you work so hard to make a bunch of money and you don't enjoy life. And then you spend all the money you made trying to make sure that you have an, an acceptable quality of life until you die. So like, what's the point? Right. Like, interesting like, point you know for yeah yeah there's that there's that chinese proverb where it's like in youth we spend our health to save our money in uh as adults we spend our money to save our health yeah so i'd never heard that before but yes yeah, right down the same chain yeah it's like super impact and so i think for in for us you know it's like uh we we like like the latin american influence I and mean, i think i think generally generally speaking here relationships are valued more than things Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just no, nonstop influence in, in like Western societies for like things over relationships. And so I, I think there's a lot more to, to living and how much you can accumulate. And so our strategy was basically like, Hey, if we believe that let's, let's do that for our people too. So we're opening an office on the beach and co-locating the company to Costa Rica when the waves are up, people can go surf when they're, when they're good, you know, when they're, you know, come back in, as long as you get your stuff done, right. You just, people have got to understand and it works really well. I think for most I think some people like the idea of it and then they're like, no, man, I need more structure. Like I need to, yeah. I need to be in an office. I need somebody tell me what to do, or I need a, a more structured list. But for the people who are really, who can really self-manage, like it's, it's amazing if you just give them an opportunity. So we, we kind of try to find the, the point between the Southwest airlines, the Virgin and the, and, 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 and the um, uh, Patagonia models, you know? And, and- and and I love that concept, you know, as, as I'm kind of putting this together, it's like, okay, what, what should I start doing? What should I stop doing? What should I keep doing? And then with the new ideas, like, why not? Right. And yeah. why not? I mean, I, I love that Danny Meyer in his book, um, setting the table, he often talks about that. Like, why can't, why, why not have a upscale barbecue place in New York with a chill vibe? Why, why not have a fun menu at a really nice restaurant. Like why not? Just because it's yeah. the way that things have been done. Doesn't mean that's the way that they should be. Right. hundred percent. And I 100%. just, I love that your, your ability to really not just because I, I never hear you preach about the unconventional life. You just live it, you know? And, uh, and I think that's, that's even more powerful that way. You're not sitting there, you know, of all the times I've heard you speak and never heard you be like, Hey, well, you need to, you know, move to Costa Rica. You need to do something crazy. You're just like, hey, here's what we're doing. And, you know, anything I'm doing is helpful, then great. But you have such this yeah. unconventional lifestyle and mentality. And I think that's that's really powerful because what you've done with El Arroyo is something different. And it's not because El Arroyo is different. It's because you've created it into something 
different. And, and, and I think that's just, um, anyway, you've, you've done a great job with that. And it's really inspiring to see how you could take this legacy brand and just turn it into something so fresh. Thanks, man. It's been super cool. And it's really fun to see like as, as more and more people connect and join the team. And now, I mean, that's a pretty good sized team of people that are super passionate about it and are all in on extending it every day. So now cool one of the things of. that, that you're looking to, you're looking to really expand El Arroyo, which is, which is pretty exciting. And as you're expanding it, you know, I'm, you've seen a lot of restaurants over the years. What's a common mistake that you see restaurants making? I mean, so, you know, this is going to be our first time to run and grow a brick and mortar brand. A lot of what we've done is buy and improve, you know, from the outside view. It's so I qualify that with this is an outside view. I and mean, I've seen, some, you know, I think it's easy to lose control of your operations. I think it's easy to, you know, you grow too fast and you really start having some cultural misses. Uh, I think it's easy to sign crazy leases and think you're just going to, you're going to be buying revenue and then get your value later at the exit. Um, You know, I think that doesn't make a lot of sense. I I think there's some like some core principles that really in any business matter. Right. So I've been lucky enough to work on businesses in six or seven industries and um, it's, it's the same across all of them. I mean, there's, there's some core values that business tenants that matter and culture and, and margins are, you know, two things that'll just, blow a hole in your boat real fast. So that's what we're focused on, um, on not only, not only preserving culture, but how can we take it as far as we can? Like, how can we make it, you know, kind of our, our, our theory on it is like when we have a line of people waiting to work there, then we've, we've gone far enough and then we should go further. That's, that's awesome. Because at the end of the day, I think you're so right. One of the dangers of premature expansion isn't just quality control, but it's employee consistency and it's culture. And that culture, that's the real secret ingredient of, of any restaurant. Like Chick-fil-A, does it have good food? Yes. But what does it also have? It has a place that people send their kids to work. Like you could, you have to work at a Chick-fil-A or you can't, you know, or you're not going to be working. You know, like I hear parents say that. And I think that having that culture breeds so much into the experience um, and, and that's kind of where I want to go next is what, what do you think is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? I mean, so I think it's, I don't, you know, I've always, I've always gone back to it's how people feel. Right. And so you can make mm. people feel different ways yeah. in, with, with different mechanisms, right? Normally it's a culmination of, of multiple things, but I mean, I think obviously the environment, the way they the way the, the staff treats them, the product. I think, I think personally, I've always thought the most important thing is the connections that are the interpersonal connections that are made with the team. Um, that, that's why. So I think it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of people um, trying to isolate the human element in favor of not having to manage it. And I, and I have a different a- approach. I think, I think it's, I think it's something when you look at why people go to restaurants, it's kind of village mentality, right? It's like, if you reduce yourself so a lot of the business decisions I make, I always try to reduce myself to a 30-person village in my head. And I imagine, what does everybody do in this 30-person village to survive and how do they interact with each other, right? And they're, they're probably sitting around a campfire together every night and sharing experiences and breaking bread and everything else. Like that's, that's a fundamental tenet of like where humans evolved from, right? And so, so I, I think about it in that sense of uh, 
in a restaurant, I think those connections are, are everything. And I think if you don't, I think trying to eliminate those connections makes less sense than trying to develop the people. And, and so again, back to my theory about what are you not doing? So it's like our strategy is how do we make, how do we let our hospitality people do just hospitality? How do we take everything out of their life that isn't hospitality so they can do what they love? Like with Axial, when we built our Axial software, we built it originally for us. And our, and our user interface requirement was that somebody who did not know how to type was able to sit down and figure out what they were supposed to do in the software and be on and off of it in 10 minutes, right? So that was our expectation. So it, it changes your outlook on what you're building and the way you're organizing things when you think about, like, because we had excellent operators who are amazing at building yeah. guest relationships and they're really great hospitality people. They didn't type because they didn't care about typing. Yeah. Like they, you know, one finger hunting and pecking, right? But who cares? The guests are happy and they're coming back, yep. right? So if I can either try to force this guy to be good at computers, or I can create an environment where the where he doesn't have to be, right? And Love so that's that. the strategy. Yeah, and we always talk about in this podcast. We often talk about Tony Starking your employees, where it's like you, you can't re- don't remove your employees from the human to human touch, but you know, give them superpowers. And that's what technology should do. Technology isn't changing or eliminating. I mean, we we had on uh, McDonald's leader on this podcast, and when they talked about the kiosks, the kiosks weren't there to eliminate employees. It was to bring employees to the front of the counter to help with cleaning, mm-hmm. to go around uh, and asking how everything was, to to put a little more hospitality into things, not just to yep. save money, but to create a better experience. Because the better somebody feels about your food and about the experience the more loyal they become because the more of a relationship they build. And that's- Yeah, free up bandwidth for them to do more important tasks. Exactly. And I love that. Eliminate everything that isn't the David, right? Eliminate everything that isn't hospitality. I think that's such an important mindset that it's hard to keep in mind as we're dealing so much with, you know, uh, all of these other issues that are out there in the in the restaurant community. But at the heart of it, I love that. Like break it down to its simplest thing. How do you get your people to be- better at hospitality to focus more on that. I, I love that, Ellis. Um, what are some successful tactics that you've tried lately? Anything, any secrets you want to share that you've been doing? Yeah. I mean, I'd say just like, you know, so we're, we be, we're, you know, we're very family focused. We let people live their life. It's more so than like when you, it, it, you, you've got vacation time. It's like, Hey, look, if there's something important going on in your family, you're, you take care of the whole team. will even rally around. Like, Somebody could could if they got something that requires their focus, it's family oriented. They do that first, period, and everybody else will just make it happen for them. Um, I think giving people that freedom is is a dramatic cultural change that most people don't feel. I think people talk about it. I think it's really fascinating. Like big companies have like family and love and giant block letters on the wall, and then as soon as there's a little bit of strain, they just start start shaving the ranks and laying people off. And it's like, or they overhire to try to hit numbers without putting some real thought into like, how am I going to take care of these people? What's the real commitment we're making? And and so, I mean, maybe I just sound overly idealistic for that. I just think when you hire somebody, you're making a commitment to them and you're expecting them to do the same thing. And, yeah. and I think meaning that goes a long way with people. And I think, again, I think the key to growing fast, you look at like all the companies that grew really fast and and or a lot of the companies that grew really fast and did a great job of it, like like you think about like FedEx, right? So FedEx just blew up 
overnight. Their big thing was empowering the employees. They, they once had a customer service rep that drove somebody's wedding dress like three hours to him and like, you know, comp the whole bill, drove their wedding dress three hours to make sure they got it to him on time. That's a culture that supports an employee getting up from their desk and driving it, not asking yes. anybody and expecting it to be okay. And yeah. so I, I think having a super empowered culture that's very focused on the key deliverable is critical to growing a business. And if, if you're ever looking for a mastermind in guest experience, I think to, to your point and, and what we're talking about here, go and read anything from Tony Shi. You know, he, he passed away last year, uh, but he's incredible guy, founder, one of the, one of the main, um, the brains behind Zappos and go and see what he was able to do with culture, with something as simple as selling shoes. Um, and, you know, look at what Ellis is doing with something as simple as selling tacos. You know, it, it's, it really isn't, it, it shouldn't be that hard, but it is hard because to you, to the point that we've been talking about this whole time, there's a way that things have been done. And it hasn't always been that employee friendly. So uh, I think that's, I think that's really, really powerful there. Now, um, who deserves an ovation, Ellis? Who is someone that we should be celebrating in the restaurant industry today? Yeah. So I think, I, I think as I thought through this, you know, I wanted to find another, another company or restaurateur. And as I, you know, obviously, you know, I participate on the board of the TRA, right. Mm -hmm. And I do that because of my experience during COVID. It wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was a TRA member for a long time because it, you know, we had like insurance discounts and stuff and it, it more than paid for the membership, but that wasn't really my participation came whenever I saw like during COVID, basically every, all the restaurants got shut down as you, as everyone knows. Um, we started looking for ways we could help restaurants. So we, we didn't lay anybody off. We moved all of our employees to El Arroyo from the other restaurants also and said, if we're going to, if we're going to fight, we're going to fight on one front. And so we, we put a game plan together with the margaritas to go. We moved, we said, anybody who wants to work can work there. We're all going to link up and do it together. And then obviously we was successful um, launching the margaritas, margaritas to go. Right. And so um, we started looking for ways we could help other restaurant people who were unemployed. Uh, we came across what the TRA was doing like Texas restaurant relief fund. And like, mm -hmm. I've never, I've never seen a, a more concerted effort by a group of people for such an extended period of time to help their constituents ever in my life. It was, it was truly amazing to the point where I wanted to, to see what else I could do. Right. So we did like, we helped with the first live stream concert with like, Robert O'Keen and the Texas restaurant relief fund did like the first live stream concert from the all road sign to help raise money. And I was like, Holy shit, these people are language that these guys are amazing. Like what they, what their, their, they pulled together and then we did another thing. And I was like, so anyway, I, I decided to join um, the board when there was room, room for me. And, uh, and I was just, I was just, I was just blown away. Like I've never, it, it is a truly amazing organization. So I think, I think they deserve an ovation. There the we whole go. Team. I mean, Emily, Joe, Tony, I mean the, the whole crew over there, just incredible people. Um, you know, Emily had probably did more for education and for lobbying for restaurants than any, individual in America. She was incredible and doing daily podcasts and webinars on um, what to do and how to do it and what she's doing and going to DC. I mean, she just did an incredible job and her whole team behind her. So totally agree with you, Ellis. I mean, check out the TRA. If you're in Texas, join the TRA, please. If you're not in Texas, 
uh, go check them out and learn from them because they they are one of the best resources that I've found in the world on restaurants. So even just the nightly, even just the nightly updates they send out. If you're, even if you're out of state, just sign up to get them. I think you can get them. I'm not pop, but I mean they're the the way they're put together is so effective. It's enough information to act on. Not you know not not so much that it drowns you. And it's um, I think it's done wonders for kind of unifying and really helping the restaurant community all over Texas. Amen. Amen. So Ellis, how do people find and follow you and any of your 11 companies? (laughs) Yeah. So Axial Shift is our, is our software company um, that we sell. We, we, we built four restaurants actually built that. I tried to get two other enterprise software companies to build it. And then we were a little early to the game. And ultimately I just, we moved some guys from another enterprise tech team we had and, and we built it ourselves. Um, that's at Axial, uh, that's www.axialshift.com. And uh, on uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to follow that. Um, there's, uh, or, or or Instagram. And then there's El Arroyo is, Instagram is probably the best place to follow that. That's at El Arroyo, E-L-A-R-R-O-Y-O. Um, underscore ATX. And then, um, and, and yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm in Ellis Wynn Stanley. Um, I think there's only two of us and uh, I'm and, the older one with the beard. You're the good looking one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, Ellis. Uh, for, the one in Texas. Yeah. Ellis, thank you so much for joining us and giving ovation, man. And, and for showing us that you can have your cake and eat it too while making more cakes and selling them too. Today's ovation goes to you. Thank you for all you do for the industry and grateful that you came on. Thanks, Zach. Great. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.